What's going on, everyone? If you are listening, you are listening to episode three of Jim and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Here is your host, I'm Jim, as always with my co-host, Ted Brown. Ted, what's up, man? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Living my best life as always. boy. We had some homework since episode two, which I assume if you're listening to episode three, then you listen to episode one and two. Thanks for coming back. Like I mentioned, we have some new movies to talk about and discuss in this episode. And if you listened to the last episode, you already know what they are. We're going to do The Dark Knight and The Aviator, two awesome, awesome, outstanding movies. But before we get to those, we've created a bit of a rating system for the show uh, to maybe better talk about some of the specifics in our favorite movies. So categories are acting. We're going to be judging movies off the acting, which will be fun. Uh, The storytelling, obviously, as well, because we both enjoy a great story. And uh, cinematography. And Ted, if you want to talk about the cinematography part a little bit, feel free. Sure, yeah. Uh, Pretty much just how a movie looks, how it was shot. Just kind of the visual medium aspect of movies. And uh, I'm going to assume that all of our listeners know what this is because they are all very smart, handsome, and beautiful people. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to go with that. So, and our our system, or or how we're going to do this here is for each category, the maximum a movie can get is three stars. So if they're if it's a, a movie full of great acting, they can get three stars. If the story's good, three stars. Cinematography, three stars. The lowest they could possibly get is no stars. Um, so the highest ranking a movie could get uh, for the Jim and Ted Excellent, the EMAs we'll call them, the EMA Awards, the highest possible star count they can get is nine stars. Okay, so if a movie's nine out of nine stars, great, great, or excellent movie, actually. So we have excellent we have quality, and we have passable. And, of course, our worst category, Ted? Steaming pile of garbage. <laughs> yes, if you get a low amount of stars, you are going to be a steaming pile of garbage. So I hope that explained that well enough for everyone to understand. Yeah, let's get started here. We have two awesome movies uh, that we can put through our award categories now. Let's open up with The Dark Knight, Ted, and you suggested this one. Yes, uh, Dark Knight, probably, it might be my favorite movie that I've ever seen. I mean, it just kind of sucks you in right from the jump. So I guess we could just start off with the rating system and then kind of shoot off from there. So for the acting, I give it three stars. There is probably just one performance throughout the movie that kind of took me out of it. I was like, hmm, that's not natural. Or that's interesting. Who is that? Organic or authentic. Commissioner Gordon's wife. Okay. I kind of didn't... I didn't believe her, if that makes any sense. Sure. Like, yeah, it felt that... like you, you are acting, and I can tell that you're acting. You know what I mean? And it takes away from the movie a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. And it was primarily when the cops go to Commissioner Gordon's house and tell his wife that he's dead. And also the scene kind of at the end with Harvey and Batman and the kids and all that. Just like, you know what? I, I'm not, I don't believe you. You're lying. <laughs> yeah, it, it sucks to feel like that while you're watching a movie, especially one as good as The Dark Knight. It kind of takes away. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, everybody else, top-notch. Um Heath Ledger, I remember hearing that he got cast for this role, and I was very confused because I had only seen him in, like, teen romantic comedy kind of movies, and Mm -hmm. I hadn't really seen any of his serious acting prior to this movie, and I couldn't have been more wrong about his casting. He fully inhabits this character of the Joker, And what's so fascinating, to me at least, is that he brings a level of uh, unpredictability to every scene that he's in. 
you have no idea what's going to happen when he shows up and what does happen. You're just like, whoa, I didn't think that was coming. So his performance in particular was fascinating. He got all the best lines pretty much in the movie. He was funny. He was scary. He commanded the room every time he's on screen. And uh, I think for me personally, it's the best Joker that's been on screen on the or in the TV shows or whatever. That's my favorite Joker um, in this movie. Everyone else was pretty top-notch, too. Can't really think of another... Actually, no, that's that's not true. Aaron Eckhart's uh, Two-Face was pretty good, too. Or Harvey Dent. He was given a lot to work with, a lot more as the uh, movie goes along. And you can see the journey that this character is taken on. And um, he's just given more and more to do. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Eckhart was fantastic, too. Um, but yeah, three stars out of three for the acting in this movie. I guess we could go on to the story. Again, for me, three stars out of three. Can't really think of any plot holes or anything in this movie. But there, there is one that uh, made me laugh while I was watching it today. Do you remember the scene where the Joker crashes the... Uh, party for harvey that bruce is throwing yeah 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 and he eats the shrimp yeah he's eating the shrimp and um he lets go of rachel from the building he just drops her mm-hmm. and uh batman rushes out to save her and like they land wherever and they're safe and everything so batman saved them but then it kind of just goes to the next scene and at the party, the Joker is still there with his goons looking for Harvey. It's just like, are we just forgetting this part? <laughs> you know, I don't even. I remember that whole scene. Yeah. But I, I don't. Re- I'm gonna have to watch that again because you make a valid point. Like, oh, like they fall out of the building, everything's done. Yeah, I mean, Harvey's still up there. He's still looking for him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, valid point right there. I completely forgot. I hadn't really noticed that. The first, I don't know how many times I watched it before today, but uh, <laughs> that stuck out, stuck out, or stood out big time. Um, Good catch by you. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, it's the storytelling is believable, and um, it takes twists and turns that make sense and serve the story really well. So, yeah, I mean, three out of three. For the story, absolutely. And we can talk about cinematography. Uh, give that three out of three as well. It was actually nominated for Best Cinematography at the Academy Awards. But uh, I did not know that. I actually looked that up today. So um, basically, just cinematography touches on how the movie looks, how it was shot. And um, Christopher Nolan tends to have the cinematographer on this movie and pretty much all his movies, Wally Pfister. And um, he has a command of his craft that's uh, pretty profound. You can uh, sense that it's a Wally Pfister shot movie anytime you turn on a movie that where he's a cinematographer. He has a distinct... It has a distinct look and feel that just is very much on brand for him. It wasn't anything truly spectacular, about the cinematography, but it was, it suited the story and it suited the journey that every character went on to where, to the point where uh, it just works, basically. Total is nine, I guess. Yeah. On the EMA rating scale, this is an excellent movie. I could probably talk about this movie for hours and hours and hours (laughs) i was gonna say well pick the perfect show to talk about it then so for the dark knight i mean when i first saw this movie dude i was blown away by this movie because i was never i was never like a big superhero kind of movie guy but the batmans just didn't seem like a superhero movie to me it just seemed so real like they just seemed like it 
they had a whole different setting. I, and I guess maybe that has to do with the cinematography of it. You know, it, I feel like for superhero movies, it kind of has not that I don't I don't want to say innocent because that's not the right word. But you could tell that you're watching a superhero movie, right? Like it just feels good to watch it. Like yeah. you feel like the good guy's always going to win. Like it, they're, they're using bright colors, blah blah blah. In the Batman, in the, in the Dark Knight movies, it always feels kind of gloomy to me. You know, you get that depressed feeling. You know, and I feel like maybe you're supposed to be uh, feeling maybe like Bruce Wayne does or Batman. I'm not sure, but that that's just a vibe I got throughout the movie. You know, like it's just I don't know. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? The the Joker. Arguably the the best villain of all time, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, so I would say that I love this movie just for the Joker. You know what I mean? Let me see here. So we're going. I, what I did want to do is kind of read the. I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen this movie by now, but I wanted to kind of tell people about the storyline. Here it is. So, The Dark Knight, set within a year after the events of Batman Begins. Batman, Lieutenant James Gordon, and new district attorney Harvey Dent successfully begin to round up criminals that play Gotham until a mysterious and sadistic criminal mastermind known only as the Joker appears in Gotham, creating a new wave of chaos. Batman's struggle against the Joker becomes deeply personal, forcing him to confront everything he believes and improve his technology to stop him, as well as a love triangle develops between Bruce Wayne, Dent, and Rachel. So... The Dark Knight, man, I, I think it had everything that I would want a superhero movie to be. And like I said, it didn't really feel like I was watching a superhero movie. Like I'm thinking of like Avengers and you know what I mean? Like all those kind of like, uh, oh, everything is fine. Like the good guy's always going to win type movies. Yeah. This one, you could really feel like the struggle with that he was having with the Joker and himself. At least I felt like, I think that's why I really enjoyed this one is because I felt something while watching it. Whereas as a lot of the other superhero movies, it's like, okay, I'm just supposed to feel good the whole time watching this. And at the end, I know the good guy's going to win, you know? Yeah. So that's why I do really appreciate the dark Knight movies and the way the Nolan brothers have directed these and, you know, created these. Uh, so let's talk about my rankings a little bit here. So we'll cover actors first. As Christian, ba- I mean, I'm sorry, as Bruce Wayne. First of all, I love Christian Bale. I think he's one of my top five all-time actors. Uh, he's fantastic. So, yeah, isn't he, man? I love the way he gets in every role. If he plays somebody fat or overweight, he he gets he gains weight. If he plays, um, what's the movie, uh, The Mechanic, you could see his bones. Like he was that yeah, skinny. He- he goes full method. Yep. So like it, you know, he's acting, but there's nothing fake about it. He gets completely in the character. Yep. All, one of my all-time favorite actors. So Christian Bale playing Bruce Wayne is probably my favorite Batman. Uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Now, if we went back and, you know, this movie was, wasn't made yet, but it was announced that Heath Ledger was Joker. How would you feel about that? Like pre- Obviously, pre the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's Joker. I was confused about it because I hadn't really seen him in anything other than like romantic comedies and stuff. Yeah, same here. That's exactly what I think about. Uh, like Ten Things I Hate About You. I think that's the one he was in. Yeah. I, yeah, I was a good chick flick though, or a romantic comedy back then. I remember that yeah. one. So Heath Ledger as the Joker. He even still, I think that he was the best Joker. Because I, I, I just loved everything about his character. Like, he was so smart, but I think he made a point to look insane. You know what I mean? So the only off balance. Yep, yep. And the only actor I think that touches him is Joaquin Phoenix, and we're going to have to do Joker rankings in a future episode. I think, I still think Heath Ledger was better. They were like two different Jokers, too, by the way, weren't they? Yeah, pretty pretty different. Um, Phoenix's Joker, I mean that he's just very clearly a deeply damaged human being, and with Ledger's Joker, he just does things just because. It doesn't seem like 
there's any rhyme or reason as to why he's doing it. He just, like he says in the movie, I'm like a dog chasing cars. If I catch one, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah, you can't really bully him or like have anything over him because he doesn't care about anything or anybody. He doesn't stand for anything besides, I don't know, chaos and anarchy. Yeah, that's exactly what it stands for. Uh, so I thought Heath Ledger did a phenomenal job. Uh, Aaron Eckert, Eckhart as Harvey Dent, like you said, phenomenal role. Uh, I found myself, you know, kind of neutral to Harvey Dent. And then obviously throughout the movie, as, you know, he becomes sort of corrupt, I start to not to like him, which means the car- uh, the actor is doing a phenomenal job. If I f- can I, if I can feel my the, the way I feel about uh, a character change throughout the course of a movie, actors doing their job 100%. For sure, uh, yeah. Yep. So Michael Caine as Alfred, I just love Michael Caine. Great. I love his accent. Uh <laughs> never have anything bad to say about Michael Caine. Yeah, he's uh, great in anything I've seen him in. Star-studded cast, by the way, here. So we got Maggie Gyllenhaal, which I can't even remember what she's played in since this movie. Or, honestly, I mean, maybe you could tell me. I don't know if she's... I can't name of a, Ma- a Maggie Gyllenhaal movie before she played in that movie. Have you ever seen Donnie Darko? Oh, uh, yep, I have. Yeah, she was Donnie's brother. And, like, his actual real-life sister, Jake Gyllenhaal, so... Oh, duh. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. seen that great movie. Actually, let's put that on the list because it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, that's that might be a top ten movie for me. Might be. Uh, I'm going to run down the actor, actor, actress list real quick. Gary Oldman as Gordon. I thought he did a great job because I found myself, I really liked, uh, I wanted his, I was rooting for his character. I wouldn't say that I particularly liked him or not, but I was rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than Morgan Freeman. Cillian Murphy in another one of our movies here. Played. I'm sorry. No, no, no. He was in Scarecrow. Actually, Scarecrow made an appearance in this one. Yeah, it was pretty short, but memorable, I'd say. Yeah. So, acting for The Dark Knight. Yeah, I'm going to say... I have to go three out of three as well. I mean, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, it doesn't really get any bigger than those two. Morgan Freeman, uh, I found myself, you know, interested in the entire movie. There's never a point where I'm like, I had enough. And I could still watch it over and over again, that movie. So I'll also go three for three. Now to the story. I'm going to be honest here. The story of this movie didn't even matter because it was the Joker versus Batman. It could have been anything. And I would have loved, especially if Heath Ledger and Christian Bale gave the performances that, that they gave. The story could have been whatever they wanted it to be. And I would I would have thought it was phenomenal. Uh, so if I try to look at it unbiasedly, um, I mean, they pretty much did make it whatever they wanted to be. The Joker was just out committing crimes of chaos like he there was nothing i guess that was the story so (laughs) yeah pretty much so yeah i mean bruce wayne or batman you're not gonna get a more a tougher psychological test than the joker i mean he's actually using that as a weapon you know it's his it's part of his arsenal it's not just uh you know like like bane for example like bane uh fought batman when batman was like weaker physically and mentally and you know he ended up building himself back up whatnot like the joker actually uses that to his advantage so his, his his intellect and whatnot uh physical traits uh test so how old would you say that this joker was because he was able to go toe-to-toe with batman so i always i always wonder weird things like this okay yeah, I wonder weird things, man. Like, while I'm watching a movie, I'm like, what season is it? Like, is it summertime, fall? <laughs> That's how much, like, even down to, like, the clothes that they're wearing. Like, if they're wearing long sleeves, like, if a character, I know this is a tangent here. If a character's wearing long sleeves and jeans and they're standing next to somebody wearing shorts and a t-shirt, I'm like, what season is this? Because they're, like, wearing completely different season uh, clothes for seasons. Let's get back to 
The acting, I, I think, if I didn't already, three stars, right? We were talking about story, I guess, here. The story, I guess it was exactly what you would want or what I would want out of a Joker Batman movie where it's just utter chaos. There's there's some semblance of story, obviously. There's, you know, a whole plot line. But there was just no real... Well, let me stop here. Let me just go... Let me see, Ted, because I'm a... Let's go... Can we go 2.5? Oh, yeah, that's allowed. Yeah, we can give, like, percentage numbers, right? Yes. All right, let's go... Let's go even... Ah, man. Let's go 2.5. Yeah, I'm going to go 2.5 on story. Let me put my 2.5 stars here. Cinematography. Why did it lose the .5? So, I didn't like... The whole love triangle thing. I don't I don't know why there always has to be that kind of an aspect to a movie. I guess to get you to make you feel something more. Like and I get it I get that it told a little bit more of like story for Batman, but I, the whole love triangle thing I, I don't know. What if they took that out? Like would it have made a difference to the story? Yeah, cuz um Harvey's full-on transformation into Two-Face would never have occurred, or it would have occurred in some different way. But the way it was told was in an organic manner, manner that made sense for the character and the story itself. Yeah, that's true. I, I just sometimes I'm like, oh, here we go. There's got to be a love story. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe unpopularly... That's a word, right? I'm going to go 2.5. Sure, now, for cinematography, I'm going to give this the best grade that I I can to my cinematic viewing experience. I think you have a better eye for, for this, Ted. So I'm just going to say I really enjoyed the way this movie was shot. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the view. I enjoyed it. It seemed suspenseful yet fast paced. So I'm going to give it an excellent, I'm going to give it a three out of three stars. So that would bring my total for my EMA award to 8.5. So you gave it a nine. I gave it an 8.5, both excellent scores. Maybe I'm even, uh, you know, I'm like that, the Russian judge in the cartoons. Maybe I'm being a stickler. But uh, I feel pretty good about an 8.5. That's pretty high still. Oh, yeah, that's very high. Yeah, so Dark Knight, though, one of my all-time favorites. And that's pretty tough to do for me for a superhero movie. Not not a huge fan of the superhero movies. Yeah, there seems to be, in lots of superhero movies, a very similar story and where it ends up in the third act where there's this big CGI extravaganza fight with the big bad. It's like, you know, this works, but maybe there's a different way to do this. It could also work. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost cookie cutter. Yes. Cookie cutter. That's perfect. And like, it's designed for like, I don't, I'm not going to say just men, but it's designed for people who I think are, I don't know. You could even, watch these movies and i would say maybe know what's going on if you're nine or ten years old you know what i mean yeah so from like nine i think it appeals to people who are nine ten years old to i don't know how old how old are we how old are you ten 33 okay so even 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 today it appeals to i think most men our age i don't know you could be 10 years old to 35 years old and you could love these movies you know but i think that you can be that, not that I, you know, I have anything against kids or whatnot. I just think I'm not into movies that most little younger kids would understand, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And so, like this this Dark Knight movie, it kind of had that sense of like an adult superhero movie. Yeah, it's a true crime drama with yeah. you know superhero and supervillain thrown in. Yep, yep. And I find myself like you know, really enjoying the Joker character where if I'm younger, 
there's no doubt I'm rooting for Batman, you know? Not that I want a Joker to win now. Actually, I, I do wonder, though, what would happen if the Joker won? And I wish they would make a movie, something like that, you know? Because they do that kind of stuff in the comics. Oh, yeah, for sure. I yeah, would be the, very uh, interested to see. Well, if you think about it, the Joker kind of did win. He terrified an entire city on his own. He almost made Batman break his one rule. Which was? Batman doesn't kill people. And that's Batman what the Joker wanted. Did kill this guy a couple times. That's very interesting, isn't it? So we kind of missed that whole part when we were talking about the movie. And that's one of the most, that's like the main, like the whole thing that we want to follow. Like the Joker wants the Batman to stop following his rules. And in order to do that, he has to not kill the Joker. Or he has yeah. to kill, he has to kill him, sorry. And so, he also helps convince Harvey to really dig in and become Two-Face. Yeah, don't you kind of wish that they he, he didn't die off? So that they, And I wish the Nolan brothers could have... There's so many things that I wish based off the Dark Knight movies. I wish the Nolan brothers could have directed them forever. I wish Christian Bale would always be Batman. Obviously, Heath Ledger, rest in peace, can't be the Joker anymore. But like Harvey Dent's character, I would have loved to find out what happens with Two-Face other than him just dying. Because uh, they could have made a whole they had a whole other thing over there with, with Two-Face if they wanted. Probably. I think um, Heath Ledger's untimely demise kind of screwed up their plans for the next movie. Because I think with 100% certainty, the Joker would have been a big focal point for the third film in the trilogy i wish man he's not dead at the end he's still around yep and that's if i can knock one thing about all these batman movies is they don't really tie together at any point and that irks me i think like there's so many different batman movies that like if they somehow could connect like that would be cool like i would like, like to see the comics the, kind of yeah like okay I don't know, like, I get it, that like Christian Bale's not going to be Batman anymore, and obviously Heath Ledger can't be the Joker, but what if, who, who, who's playing Batman now, the, uh, the guy from, uh, the Vampire books, or a show? Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, <laughs> yeah, Robert Pattinson, and Joaquin Phoenix came back and played the Joker in the new movies, asks, just to, like, start a new thing, like, I don't know, you know what I'm yeah. trying to say? Like, I'm thinking of, like, the original Batman back in the day, and I'm thinking of Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And uh, was Danny DeVito the Penguin? Yeah, that was a goofy one. It was. That was a weird one, yeah. But, like, even if they picked up on different storylines from different movies and kind of somehow connected them, because if I could gripe about anything, like, there's just so many different Batmans. Too many different Jokers. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm asking for too much. Too much, Jim. Too much. <laughs> uh, we gave our scores, right? Both excellence for The Dark Knight. Yes. Yeah, I would say hands, hands down, that's the best of the three. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dark Knight, at least for me, Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises. In order. Oh, you have Batman Begins second? Yes. You didn't like The Dark Knight Rises? Well, there's a part in it that um, really took me out of the movie. That actually... I mean, th there are usually... like a, There's a part or two in most movies that's just like, hmm, this doesn't work for me. And it doesn't really bother me that much. But in that movie in particular, there's a part that just drove me insane. Which part? Do you remember it? When Commissioner Gordon has all the police... All of them go underground to find Bane or the nuclear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all of them are down there. It's like, all of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty lame, actually. I remember that. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that movie, though. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was pretty good. It's, uh, I mean, the entire trilogy was, is probably the best Batman, group of Batman movies that has been made so far but uh yeah it's still an above average movie for me oh for sure no doubt and you couldn't think of three better actors to play the, the uh 
the bad guys. And you had Cillian Murphy in number one. Right, you had Heath Ledger number two, and then number three you had Tom Hardy, who I love, dude. He was great as Bane, and uh, his job, I think, was a bit more difficult because, I mean, you couldn't see his facial expressions. He had to almost, in a way, act entirely through his voice and his eyes. Yeah, good point. And and he managed to pull it off. For sure. And I love the way he kind of changes his voice. Yeah, it, it kind of made sense, too, because he has such a hard time breathing that I imagine he would actually talk that strangely. Yeah. I was born in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> so before I do any more bad impressions, maybe we should move on to The Aviator. Let's do it. All right. So The Aviator was my suggestion this week. I love this movie, uh, and I hope, you know, if you guys watched it, if you're listening, Ted, if you watched it, uh, I hope you enjoyed this movie. It's one of my favorites for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just give a background for those who maybe haven't watched it. So the movie's about Howard Hughes. He was born December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1905, and passed away April 5th, 1976. He was an American business magnate, investor, record-setting pilot, engineer, film director, and philanthropist. Known during his lifetime as one of the most financially successful individuals in the world. First became prominent as the film producer and then as an influential figure in the aviation industry. Later in life, he became known for his eccentric behavior and reclusive lifestyle. Oddities that that were caused in part by a worsening obsessive-compulsive disorder. Chronic pain from a a near-fatal plane crash and increasing deafness. So throughout the course of this movie, we kind of see uh, Howard Hughes' OCD begin, and we see it rapidly, rapidly get worse. And that, I thought that was a, a really tough part of this movie to watch. Uh, so before I give too much away, uh, as a film tycoon, Hughes gained fame in Hollywood beginning in the late 1920s when he produced big-budget and often controversial films such as The Racket, Hell's Angels, and Scarface. Formed Hughes Aircraft Company in 1932, hiring numerous engineers and designers. He spent the rest of the 1930s and much of the 1940s setting multiple world air speed records and building the Hughes H-1 Racer and H-4 Hercules. Uh, in the movie, I think you actually heard the name that they called it the Spruce Goose. He acquired and expanded Transworld Airlines and later acquired Air West, renaming it Hughes Air West. Uh, so, yeah, Howard Hughes. He was pretty much a renaissance man. Huh? He did a little bit of everything. He was a very impressive person. He was. And, you know, if we, we're going to get to our rankings real quick here, let me just talk a little bit about the plot of the movie here or just tell you guys what the movie's about in 1913 houston as an eight-year-old howard hughes's mother gave him a bath and teaches him how to spell quarantine she warns him about the recent cholera outbreak in houston she says you are not safe 14 years later in 1927 he begins to direct hell's angels and hires noah dietrich to manage the day-to-day operations of his business empire so After the release of The Jazz Singer, the first partially talking film, Hughes becomes obsessed with shooting his film realistically and decides to convert the movie to a sound film. Despite the film being a hit, Hughes remains uh, unsatisfied with the result and orders the film to be recut after its Hollywood premiere. So I don't want to read too much of this about the uh, plot here. There's a lot more to read, but... This is one of my all-time favorite movies, Ted, because not only because I love Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor, but this guy's story, man, like I I could feel throughout this movie because you could see him get worse and worse. Like he was becoming more more and more successful and his health was getting worse and worse. It was going the opposite direction and it was like man, this poor guy, like, he's going to have everything he wants, and at the same time, he's getting so sick. So, 
OCD, man. Like, I think you really get to see a little bit of what it's like for somebody with OCD. Like, cause you know, sometimes we joke like, Oh, I got to wash my hands before I touch the doorknob. Oh, I got to do this. Or you got OCD. Like, this is a serious thing, you know? And what, I mean, we talked about this. What I do is I put myself in the actor's shoes and, you know, some of the parts that stick out to me is when he can't stop repeating what he's saying. And I don't know, I can't imagine feeling like that, you know, and I think Leonardo DiCaprio did a great job in kind of translating, you know, what it's like. And I don't know, it just made me feel for the guy, you know. So acting, let me see here. We got, there's a ton of people in this movie. Let me just bring it back up here. So as far as other actors and actresses in this movie, we have Kate Blanchett, who she played Catherine Hepburn. Uh, Kate Beckinsale, who's absolutely stunning, played Ava Gardner. John C. Riley made an appearance in this movie as Noah Dietrich. Alec Baldwin, as he somehow seems to do, just sneaks his way into movies as Juan Tripp. <laughs> sneaks his way into movies. Like he's just randomly in movies, isn't he? Like he's never like the star. He's just some. He's in there somewhere. He's a pretty good character actor. Yep. So there's some names I'm going to leave off here, but uh, Gwen Stefani was in this movie, believe it or not, as Gene Harlow. Uh, Jude Law made his way onto this one, and those are the only those are the names that I recognize. If I left anyone out there that you recognize, please feel free to bring them up. I don't know, this cast, dude, I mean, it's tough to get bigger than DiCaprio, Blanchett, Beckinsale. Even John C. Riley's like a pretty solid name. I wouldn't call him, you know, Oscar winning or, you know, he's not even in DiCaprio's league, but still a name. Alec Baldwin, whenever I see him in a movie, I'm like, ah, they must not have needed a, you know, must not have needed a guy that bad. But to your <laughs> to your point, he is a good character actor. I just can never take him serious because he's the guy on Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah, he always plays. Uh, at least the past few years, he's played Trump. Yeah, he's playing Trump. So I, I just see him as a funny guy. I think it's the same same thing that we talked about last week with James Franco. You know? Yeah, I can see that with him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm waiting for him to drop a line or something. I, I don't take him that I don't take him serious no matter what. I I don't like that, but. <laughs> so that that might get like a knockdown for me but we'll see if, so we'll see what happens for you so gwen stefani hot i don't know how great her acting is i, I barely remember her in this movie but yeah, i don't remember her too much from this movie yeah i mean the aviator man go ahead i'm sorry i didn't even know she was in it until i rewatched it again yeah oh that's who that is i did not expect <laughs> her. she's one of my faves gwen stefani uh favorite singers by the way yeah, she's very talented. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not being... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to give this movie... I'll tell you the truth. And the reason I can't give it three out of three stars is solely because of John C. Riley's character. Oh, you mean yeah. the acting, three out of three stars? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's because I just see stepbrothers all the time with him. Or, like, if he just so has that... I feel like he's, like, playing Fozzie Bear, like, every time I see him. Because you know how Fozzie had, like, that weird, like, kind of nasally deep voice or something? And, and this guy, and John C. Riley always always kind of has that disheveled look on his face, you know? <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know how else to describe. It's like, why does this guy always look the same? You know? Like, uh, for some reason, there's something about his character I just can't take... I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I, I can't give it a three as much as I would love to because I love this movie. I'm going to give it uh, – I'll give the acting uh, – I'm going to go two. What are your thoughts on the acting? I can't really think of a weak link personally in this movie. Um, DiCaprio, I mean he didn't win an Oscar for this. He should have. I think this was his best performance still. Um he completely inhabited the character Howard Hughes, and he was Howard Hughes from the first scene where we see where we see him. And um, I think he was kind of robbed for a uh, best actor at the Academy Awards for this. Um, 
Kate yeah. Blanchett or Kate Blanchett. She uh, she is a phenomenal actress. She is amazing in anything she does. Um, there's no two characters that she plays that are almost anything alike. She is extremely talented. Reminds me a bit of uh, Meryl Streep that way. Honestly, Riley was pretty good, um, but kind of the main two people for me in this movie are Blanchett and um, DiCaprio, and they were just both so present and authentic in their performances that uh, I have got to give them three stars out of three for this one. Okay. Yeah, and I would say three three stars is... It deserves three, for sure. I think... And I, I kind of like that we're focused on different things there because we can give different perspective on ratings where, you know, I, you know, if we're going to talk Blanchett and DiCaprio, oh my God, dude, what a movie. But if we want to talk about dumb characters like, like Baldwin's character and John C. Riley, then you, you got mine. So three and two stars, I feel like solid grades. Uh, I could have easily probably deserves a three like you gave there, but solid acting. Let's move to story, Ted. Okay. What did you think about the story of this one? I mean, since it's uh, based on like true events, um, I thought the story, and the only reason that I don't give it a three out of three, I'm giving it a two for story, is because it's so sad. And for some reason, for this movie in particular, that just kind of takes it down a notch for me. Um because you see this man who, I mean, this OCD, it's always been there. And the more successful and the more creative he becomes, the worse his OCD gets. And it's just devastating to see. I mean, at one point, he ends up locked in this room. Like, his hair is all disheveled. He has crazy long fingernails surrounded by... Uh, I don't know, mason jars filled with piss. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that that was. I mean, I saw that. I remember seeing that for the first time and thinking, "Oh my god, this that is so sad." Yeah. I I I can't imagine being sick to that point, and uh, you just feel for the guy. I mean, I I don't think I've ever come across anyone who has OCD to that extent. I mean, maybe like when they're on their own or anything, but I have some friends who have it. and I mean, nothing like what we see from Howard Hughes in this movie. The story shows his relationships with people, particularly women. He's a bit of a ladies' man. And um, unfortunately, his illness kind of torpedoes any kind of meaningful relationship with a woman that he has. And uh, that's also sad. So, yeah, just the sad part of the movie kind of makes it brings it down enough for me to it too okay i think that's fair so the story of this movie i love this movie i think it was awesome story it's one of those movies for me where i can kind of kick back and just enjoy you know like there's not going to be a ton of you know random explosions or it's not going to take me through a bunch of twists and turns not that i don't enjoy those movies but i could kind of kick back and just watch a movie you know see how things play out and whatnot. Like you, you didn't, you could just follow a story, you know, and enjoy it. I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, so I, I did enjoy that aspect. And, uh, you know, the actual story where you saw, I guess, Howard Hughes's uh, disorder quickly get worse, I guess. Yeah, it just kind of escalates. Yeah, very quickly. Like there's that one scene where he's sitting there you know, watching, I think he's watching a movie in that room and he starts to look at his hands, right? Like, like there's something potentially on his hands, but there's nothing there. Like he's just staring at his hands and throughout the movie, you can kind of see him become weird with, uh, like germs and whatnot. Like he was sort of definitely a germaphobe. And I think, you know, in the beginning of the movie, when his mom was talking about quarantine and whatnot, and it, it almost makes you wonder about, like, stuff today. Um, he, she kind of planted the seed in his mind, potentially. And, and he, he always was, has to be clean. Right, right. And 
you know, thinking like that, maybe it could drive you nuts. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not trying to discredit the disorder at all. But maybe his mind was trained at a younger age to see things that way. And maybe it kind of drove him, you know, maybe that was the onset of the disorder. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to be to be able to talk about it honestly on here. But I think it tried to show you what somebody with that, you know, with OCD has to deal with. And I'm thinking that the scene when he's in the bathroom, remember he's washing his hands and he ends up, I think his hands get so dried out or he ends up cutting his hand and he gets on his shirt and he's in there for like 20 minutes and he was only supposed to be in there, you know, use the bathroom and get out. And he's finally cleaned, his hands are not bleeding anymore and he goes to leave and he realizes he has to touch the bathroom doorknob to get out or the bathroom door. And he looks behind him. And he, he used up all the towels already, so there's no towels or there's nothing to, you know, there's hide no his barrier he can use to open the door. Yep. And he has to touch the door. And so he doesn't leave. He's essentially locked in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, because I'm he doesn't want to. But... No, but it's it's like you're watching it and you're like, oh, man, that's kind of silly. But then you're like, holy fuck, like this is a legit thing. Like yeah. this guy, he's so afraid to touch the door. That he's not leaving the bathroom. And so what he does is he he hides kind of on the wall that, that the door is on. And as soon as somebody walks in, he slips out. Like, imagine having to do that. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. And, I mean, my outburst just now, that wasn't me, like, laughing at somebody with OCD. It was just the way Jim framed it as, he's essentially <laughs> locked in the bathroom now. <laughs> <laughs> like, but he, but he wasn't. Like, I'm watching it and... I'm like, holy shit, dude, I could not imagine being so afraid of germs that you're stuck there. And then thinking that, I'm like, that is a sin, man. He's He's got some issues, you know? Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, later on in the movie, he's he locks himself. I don't even know if he's locked in. I just think he never leaves that room for who knows how long. And his hair gets long. Uh, he grows somewhat of a beard. He, you, you said he's peeing in all those friggin' mason jars. <laughs> like, man, there's something really wrong. And you know, he's, uh, he's repeating himself nonstop and recording himself now. This guy, is, he's sick, you know? There's a problem. And throughout the whole movie, you're rooting for him, right? You're rooting for Leo's character. You're rooting for Howard Hughes because he's he's doing everything. He's He's doing everything he wants. He's got a successful career with movies, uh, successful career with airplanes, obviously. And then, you know, he meets Kate Blanchett's character. Things seem to be going well. And she ends up leaving him, doesn't she? She does, yeah. And so you know that's going to take a toll. Uh, all right, so I wanted to talk about Kate Blanchett's character. Catherine Hepburn, during the course of this movie... Did she ever really, truly love Howard Hughes, do you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think she loves him pretty deeply. So it wasn't just like, she didn't just like him for his money and whatnot. No, that wasn't what I was picking up at all. So I kind of got mixed vibes from her. Like, in the beginning, of course, like, it was like young love. It was all new, and they were getting along. And then I felt like as he was getting worse... I felt like she was starting to notice, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for and, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there wasn't really much known about OCD back then, so maybe she just thought he was going crazy. But it just seemed... Say, yeah. Right? But she, I thought she played... She did a phenomenal job. Kate Blanchett, like you said, uh, like a young Meryl Streep, comparable to Meryl Streep. She's, I mean, she's gorgeous, too. Let me see. What are we on here? Story? Did I get my crate for story? Uh, not yet, no. Maybe I should do that. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I just said. I'm going to go three out of three for story here because I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the story. Let me see. So you gave it a 2.5, correct? Uh, two. Two, okay. And did we do cinematography? Nope, that's next. Okay, let's go for it. All right, so for me... This movie had gorgeous cinematography. It was just fantastic. You can totally feel the that you were in the 20s or the 30s, the 40s. 
with the way it was shot as you're going through the movie. And they just did so many creative and unique things visually. I mean, it deservedly won Best Cinematography at the Oscars. I mean, I, I can't really argue with that. I mean, and just personally, I, I was blown away by how this movie was presented, how it looks, sort of how it makes you feel to go along with the story. It just all fit, and it just felt right. So, uh, yeah, three out of three stars for cinematography for me. Yeah, like they didn't really have to do anything special, right? They could have just shot this movie, make it look like it was set back in the... Uh, shit, why can't I remember? Make sure it was set back in... Come on, help me out, Ted. When would, when would this movie take place? Uh... 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yes, thank you. So, I don't know, all they had to do was make it look old, like like you said, 20s, 30s. And, yeah, but they, uh, uh, took chances and risks, and it worked. How so? Well, just well, sort of along the lines of what you were saying, where uh, they could have just shot it as is, and it would have worked. But um, there were certain artistic flourishes and designs with how it was shot, where in less less capable hands it could have been a mess. But it was in capable hands, so it worked spectacularly. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. Okay, good. All right, so you went three out of three. I'm going to go... Yeah, I'm going to go... Hmm. I'm going to go three out of three as well, I think. Because, you, like you said, they couldn't... All they had to do was not mess this up, and I don't think they did. I think they did a superb job, and uh, one of my top ten favorite movies. So if we add up our scores here, you gave it a total of, I think you said two for acting, two for story. Or did I say two for acting? I'm sorry. You did two for acting. All right, so you got five, has eight stars from Ted. Yes, sir. So that is an excellent movie for me. And I have given it eight stars as well. All right. So I think what we're going to have to do here in order to knock, <laughs> in order to knock give every movie that we have on the show is excellent is we need you guys to start submitting some movies. So we're not watching all of our favorites on here. Otherwise, we're, we're just going to have a bunch of excellence and quality movies because that's all we watch, of course. All right. Yes, because, I mean, we have fantastic taste. <laughs> yeah, so not that we are asking for steaming piles of garbage, but send us some movies. Give us some stuff we may not have seen before, you know? Uh, I, I'm but sure Ted's the same. Probably not horror movies, though. Oh, yes. No, and no Western. like horror movies. Yes, please. I live alone. I'm afraid of the dark. No horror <laughs> movies. I'm also afraid of cowboys, so no Westerns. Not really. Those cowboys, those are scary SOBs, man. <laughs> yeah, with their shoes and your hats, goddamn. Oh, the shoes and the hats, just terrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, hang on a second here, because somebody did tweet at us. Hopefully not. Hopefully I don't regret this. But, all right, Ted, have you seen these movies? And this is from Fantasy Hockey Trades. Okay. Have you seen Catch Me If You Can? Yes. Have you seen The Usual Suspects, of course? Yes. Rounders. I have not seen that. Okay, so I haven't seen that either. Let's put that on our list. So what we can do for the next show here is instead of you and I picking out a show, we'll do one from the listeners, and we'll both agree on one. Works for me. All right, so let's put Rounders on our List of two movies to watch for next week. And let's talk about another one to break down next week. Which movies uh, do you want to throw up for nomination here? Hmm. Or actually, you know what? You pick the movie, and then next week I'll pick the movie. Okay. Knives Out. Have you seen that? Knives Out? That just came out on uh, one of the streamers, right? Yeah, I think it's available to watch on Amazon now. That's it. Yeah, Amazon. Knives out. All right. Actually, yeah, I remember seeing that. Oh, Damn. go ahead. No, I remember seeing that on the previews because I, I had seen a 
couple movies in the movie theaters before everything happened, and that was always like the longest preview. Ah, nice. Yeah, it's I love that movie. So yeah, so we'll go Knives Out and Rounds. That's definitely on Amazon Prime. I can check real quick. Hold on. I just want to make sure so you don't have to unintentionally spend any money. Yeah, I'm looking out for you, Jim. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Yep, you can watch it with Prime. Perfect. Now I got something to watch tonight. Awesome. There's a lot of people in that, isn't there? Yeah, Daniel Craig. Um, and that's that's not a Guy Ritchie-directed movie, is it? No, it's a Ryan Johnson movie. He did Looper, oh. um, The Last Jedi. Looper's a good one. Underrated, yeah. I think. Looper. Bruce Willis is in that one. Yeah, Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, get out of here. I forgot. Like Bruce Willis. See, that's another like Batman and Robin. Uh, like Gordon Levitt is the Robin to Bruce Willis is Batman. He's just yeah. been a he's just been a career Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Rounders and Knives Out are the movies for next week. Okay. We'll see if we have two more excellent and quality movies. Uh, or if we'll have our first actually we had two excellents, so we'll see if we have our first quality passable or steaming pile of garbage next week. Yeah, so um, it is perfectly okay for people to uh, recommend bad movies. Those can be fun to watch, too. Yeah, I can't yep. wait to give out my first steaming pile of garbage. Because <laughs> yeah, there are some very funny bad movies. Yeah, as long as they're funny, you can get through it. Oh, yeah. For sure. Even if it's unintentionally funny, you can get through it. Yeah. Just uh, no westerns or there will be a lot of steaming pile of garbages for me. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, at that, boys and girls, Ted, do you have anything you want to promote before we wrap up? Uh, Not really. Listen to our show. We're very smart. We are (laughs) very handsome people, and you should listen because we have fantastic ideas and listen to our show yes thank you so if you've made it through the first two episodes and you're listening today to episode three thank you very much ted is always a pleasure man and we'll talk next week yes sir